And welcome back to part two of the podcast on this Easter morning. And the Come and See Inspiration team, myself and John, we are delighted to welcome back to the podcast today, all the way from Spanish Point in County Clare, our good friend and companion on the journey, Noreen Lynch. Good morning, Noreen. Good morning, Shane. Lovely to be here. No, thank you very much. Now, we've um, we've dragooned uh, Noreen into helping us with the programme this week that she has very graciously decided she's going to take us through our, or give us a few thoughts this morning on, on Easter. Thanks, Jane. Ah, yeah, no, I mean, it's lovely to be here. It's always great to, to be chatting with you. And Easter is such a, a rich and beautiful uh, t- time. You know, you could reflect on it forever. Um, and I suppose uh, when I was thinking about this yesterday and, and today, the, what struck me, I was thinking of all the lovely places where I've celebrated Dawn Mass and the the, the joy of Easter. Um, and I've been so gifted in my life that I'm so blessed through Moinsteris and through different experiences to really have beautiful experiences of the, the full liturgy of Easter and to have that sense of coming to a place in darkness and seeing the light of a, of a fire for the dawn mass and all of those those experiences. And I, I think across County Limerick, probably um, people can name different spots. You know, people I remember going to Mungrist into it, the ruins, walking in the path in the darkness with, with all the little candles and jam jars and being shown my way in. I know people have gathered in Art Patrick and, there, you know, there's different places <clears throat> in a skating, I'm sure, or in a dare. I know they have a beautiful Don Mass. Um, and I hope everybody's had gorgeous experiences and celebrations this morning as they gathered. But I was thinking about it, what came to mind this morning or last night and this morning when I was reflecting was um, Corkham Row Abbey, which is right up in the north of the burn, up near Bell Harbour. Um, there's a Cistercian monastery, well, the ruins of a Cistercian monastery. Um, and it was very well known because John O'Donoghue used to have dawn masses there for many years. And friends of mine here in, in County Clare will talk about it, say, I mightn't have been involved all year, but that was a very special place to be. And I know what they mean, because I, I often remember from being in, in some place like Mungret, for instance, or for being out with on a beach for a dawn mass or different places I've gathered down by the, the, the Shannon in the centre of Limerick in Holy Rosary Parish we had a dawn mass once. But being there uh, out in, in nature and as the light comes up, realising that all the birds had come down to see what we were doing and they were sitting on the ruins. And they started the dawn chorus as the light began to come up and as we lit our candles and somehow there was a real sense of, of Easter being connected to all of creation and all of nature. That there was no difference really we were recognizing what was actually the miracle that was happening every morning was was reflecting again it brings us into the resurrection and helping us to understand all the time how the light comes back and i suppose when i started thinking about kirkham row something struck me that that was that was interesting i thought of the many ruins that are around this country and how uh, so often as as church we we talk about how, how things aren't aren't going great and how tough it is and all our things that are 100 years old um aren't staying the very same as they always were and what does that mean for the future of faith and I was thinking about Kirkham Row Abbey and all the different abbeys I've visited I remember getting off a boat in Portumna and walking into two different abbeys that were in ruins and each of them had been there maybe 400 years so Kirkham Row was there from the 1100s early 1200s when monks walked from Tipperary and they were really trying to find isolated areas to build a Cistercian Abbey because Cistercians weren't pastoral. They weren't going to go out among, they wanted a place they could be self-sufficient and pray. And so they built this place. Um, the the local um, king, uh, Donald Moore O'Brien, uh, helped them to build this, monast- this, this monastery and it became this beautiful place in the valley there by Bell Harbour. And it's preserved beautifully. It's well worth the drive if you're up around that time, at that, that side of the country um, in the summer. 
it actually had the, the name that was given to it over the years was Sancta Maria de Petra Fertili, the, the St. Mary of the Fertile Rock. And because the burning lands there were very fertile and they, the Cistercians were able to provide for themselves and, and to live well in that in that valley. And I thought about the fact, say, that from 1200 up to the nearly 1600, community grew and flourished there and people came from all over and spoke about it. Probably in late, in early, so 1630 or so, you hear the last Cistercian, the last abbot being named. And after that, we don't hear more. That was 400 years of people being faithful. 400 years. And I often wonder how people who of that time, if they came along now and found us coming up to the Abbey for a dawn mass, uh, coming into the ruins. Um, there's a graveyard, an active graveyard. Chris Droney, the wonderful Constantino player, is, is buried there. I have his music. We might play it after this. Um, peaceful Kirkham Row. And people coming in the summer and sitting and finding this is a place of prayer and a place to be still. I wonder how the monks of 1300 or 1400 might think, would they say, God, the whole thing went to pot. Isn't it terrible? Or would they be able to say, Lord, you work in mysterious ways and it's new every morning and this is the day you have made and in this day you are doing something good. And even after six, 800 years, after all our years, still people are able to come to this place and connect with you, Lord, are able to feel blessed and connected. And as I was reflecting on that and thinking, I was reminded of, of Brendan Canelli's gorgeous poem, though we live in a world that dreams of ending, that always seems about to give in. Something that will not acknowledge conclusion insists that we forever begin. And all of that is a backdrop, really, I suppose, to the, the Easter stories and Gospels we hear today. And depending on whether you went to Mass last night, the evening before, whether you went to Mass um, at dawn, whether you went to Mass during the day, you might have heard a slightly different Gospel but in Matthew and in Mark today, we hear he's not here. He's gone before you to Galilee. Look for him there. And I suppose the, the thing that, that struck me when reading the gospel, as with, with this image of, of Corkham Row and of Portumna and of Adair and of the ruin in Eskeaton and all these places, I was, I was thinking about the monks who set out and Mary Magdalene who set out in the dark with the women. And that commitment to love to setting out not because we know where we're going, but like Abraham to saying we are called and we will we will take that risk, we will set out. And some of that setting out is in great fear and trepidation. I'm sure Mary and the women approaching that tomb were petrified of what the Roman soldiers they might meet, of how they would roll the stone away, what was possible in the it was impossible, you know, what could be done, but they set out. And I'm sure those monks who set out from Tipperary to work to Kirkham Row or the different monks that came into County Limerick, whether St. Edith coming to County Limerick, you know, all of these people who came, the setting out was done in a kind of a, a faith and a love and a sense of we're called in some way. And, and so often for ourselves, we can have this sense of where I was, where I am, this is the way the world must be, and this is the way it must be if, if we're true to God and if faith holds. And yet, all the way through our story as Christians, God calls us out. God calls us on. God says, this was good, but on to the next place, on to the next, on to the, and not in a kind of a, a just just to, to conquer all, all the, but the, 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 the action of moving, of, of having to let go of what we know creates the space for the next thing. The action of coming out of 
I know exactly how to be a Christian. I know how to, what, what time of the day to pray, what day of the week to pray. I know where I go, where are my holy places. The action of having to leave it all behind and step out in faith is the ultimate action of being a Christian, is the ultimate act of saying it is in God's hands because it is no longer in mine. And so in some way, Mary reminds us today and all these holy sites around us remind us that people step out in faith and step out and trust that God is with us and we're not doing it alone. And yet in that stepping out, Mary and, and the others met an angel or Jesus, depending on which gospel you meet, he says, he's not here. I'm gone before you into Galilee. He's gone before you to Galilee. Seek him there. And Galilee was the place of miracle, of healing, of feeding, the place where the people were. Galilee was the ordinary place where the people were, the place of life. And I really think it's it's interesting to think that where Jesus went was not, he didn't go into the center of the temple in Jerusalem and say, here I am, I'm now in charge. He went to the, back to where the miracles, the healing, the feeding, he went back to where his words had broken people open and they could hear what God was trying to say to him. And so often we think change and, and newness must come about by we going to the centres of power and insisting they listen, which is very important in its own way. And yet it is at the margins all the time that we find God. The places that have gifted us in our faith journey often were the places at the margin. I was involved in Winthrop's and I came through that. And that was fierce at the margin. We used to go out to vines, out to the edge of the sea, and we could do all kinds of madness. We celebrated our liturgies totally alive as young people, totally engaged in a way we wouldn't have been able to do in parish, in a way we couldn't have done in the cathedral. Because by going out to the edges and being with people where they were at, by feeding and healing and share, everything became possible. Um, and I think in a world that where we speak a language of, a lot of things are collapsing and isn't it terrible? The, the invitation of Easter is to stand against despair and to say the God who brought people in the 1100s into a valley in Corkham Row, into a tiny place by Bell Harbour. That God is still at work in the world. The God who brought people of faith to Kilidi and to Aski and to Mungret and to Glenstall. All of these times, different centuries, different experiences is speaking. And as I was praying about this, I was reminded of Pope Francis uh, in Lumen Fide, one of his first letters, he said, you know, time is always much greater than space. Space hardens processes, whereas time propels towards the future and encourages us to go forward and hope. So our need sometimes to have everything covered in space, you know, every bit of space marked as we've all that sorted. It's our need to see everything be the same. But God is all the time saying, let it all go and go deeper. Because there are some things that as it goes deeper, it'll sink in in a different way and it will carry so people can sit in Corkham Row Abbey 800, 900 years later and know in this place I have a connection, in this place something is happening. Um, because I was curious, I looked up and read one or two things that, that John O'Donoghue had written around Easter. And I think they're, they're worth just sharing as reflections this morning as we maybe notice how God is calling us out of ourselves and how often it can feel like to step out is to step into darkness. But maybe the opposite is true. John says, we're always on our way from darkness into light. Every morning we come out of dark territories of dreaming into the waking awareness of the day. 
Every night, no matter how long, breaks again and the light of dawn comes. At birth, each of us made a journey from darkness into light, from the warm, secure darkness of the womb into the light of the world. So we are no strangers to darkness and we are special friends of the light. He said, one of the beauties of Easter morning is that the light that comes with Christ is a gentle but penetrating light. There is no hurt anywhere within us, no matter in what crevices it might be buried, but that the light of Easter can reach it and heal it. So he says, on this Easter morning, let us look again at the lives we have been so generously given and let us fall away from the useless baggage we carry, old pains, old habits, old ways of seeing and feeling, and let us have the courage to begin again. And really, he kind of brings that down with a second reflection. They're both from Corkumro Abbey on Easter, but I think they match really well. He says, again, on this Easter morning, so, and this is my invitation to you all, let us look again at the lives we have been so generously given. Let us fall away from the baggage that we don't need. Life is very short and we are no sooner here than it is time to depart again. And we should use to the full the time that we still have. We don't realise all the good we can do, John says. A kind, encouraging word or a helping hand can bring many a person through the dark valleys in their lives. We weren't put here to make money or to acquire status or reputation. We were sent here to search for the light of Easter in our hearts. And when we find it, we are meant to give it away generously. So, he prays, may the spirit and light of this Easter morning and the special spirit of light of this Abbey at Kirkham Row bless us all. Watch over us and protect us on our journey and open us from the darkness into the light of peace and hope and transfiguration. So my invitation this morning might be to say, to notice around you the places where faith and hope have been and not to see change as a sign that they did not work, but rather that these are witnesses and signs to the fact that people stepped out in hope, not because they knew the next step, but because they knew God was with them. And in that, they we tend to only think of Somebody went and built a mighty monastery and weren't they great? Actually, most of what they did was to try and live with each other in kindness, to try and put food on the table for each other, to try and take care of the vulnerable. And in that, they built monasteries. So the last thought I'd give you for Easter morning is of the beautiful cathedral in in Notre Dame in in Paris, um, that when it was being built, there was a famous a, 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 an artist who was near and went in to see this monastery, this cathedral being built because he said, I'll never see this again in my lifetime. And as he walked in, he saw somebody working on the beautiful woodwork, making the chairs for the bishop and all of the beautiful choir stalls. And he said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm a master woodcarver and I'm here with the team and we are creating these beautiful, beautiful pieces for the cathedral. And as he walked further, he saw a man working with stone. He said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm a stonemason. I'm a master stonemason. I've been brought here in order that the beautiful turrets and all the stonework would be absolutely excellently done as we create a cathedral. And he walked to the next person and the next and he gathered the stories. And as he was leaving, he saw a woman sweeping in the corner and really out of habit, he turned to her and said, and what are you doing here? Thinking, you know, she's sweeping. And she said, sir, I am building a cathedral for the glory of Almighty God. And it is good work.
And so my invitation this Easter morning is to, to see around you not signs of death or loneliness or destruction, because presumably Mary and the women felt all of those things when they left, but to turn from the darkness into the light, to turn around like Lazarus when you hear your name called, when you hear Jesus, to turn around and in that turning to unfurl, unbind from the things that have held you in darkness and to trust that the one who calls your name brings you out. And to trust that even in those steps, you are like Mary Magdalene on pilgrimage. You are going towards Jesus and Jesus will bring you to Galilee. will bring you to the place where there's healing and where there's food and where there's hope. And that's the cathedral that we're looking for. And that's the resurrection that we're interested in. And that's the way that God is calling us. Christ is truly risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maureen, thank you so much for that this morning. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful reflection. I'm not going to add anything to it. I'm just going to ask what piece of music would you like to close? The... I, I would love to just play a piece of the music there by uh, Chris Droney, um, Peaceful Kirkham Row. Chris is, was from Bell Harbour, was a famous concertina player, and anybody interested in traditional music will enjoy this. So there's a piece of him playing the music and there's a piece of his daughter and singing some lyrics they put to it. That as our life comes to an end, that we might... Uh, yeah, do right and be and and know the the piece of Kirkham Row. So um, the music or the song both are beautiful. We could listen to them. Thanks, Milan. So we bring you back to part three of the podcast, where we will have our reflection on the Sunday Gospel. There's an ancient place neath the barren mountains where. Sturgeons came and preached long, long ago. It's a sacred place where lay our forefathers in the lonely graves in peaceful